Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And the strike continues. United Auto Workers, no deals, and they're getting ready to increase the number of people on strike, but it's going to be Friday. I, I said it would be today. Missed it by that much. Wait, hold on. I think I, I think I have that sound effect, don't I? Pretty sure that I, pretty sure that I do. Well, somewhere, somewhere I've got it. Oh, I do. Look at me. Missed it by that much. Ha! What do you know? They're not done because it's not going to be this this percentage of pay. The United Auto Workers want a forty percent increase in pay. That's where they started. They'll settle on thirty six percent. Ford, GM, and Stellantis, formerly Fiat Chrysler, offer 21%. And that is not going to do it, but that's not going to be the story. The story is going to be about these retirement benefits. That's what it's going to be about there. And you say to me, are we, should we be so focused on this strike? And the answer is yes. Yes, we should. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. The reason for this being something we should pay attention to is that the strike actually covers multiple facets of American culture and American politics. On the political side, Joe Biden loves to talk about being pro-union. The progressive left does not care if you create jobs. They don't care. They care that you create union jobs. Go back to California for a moment. And AB5, Assembly Bill 5. AB5 was about putting an end to the gig worker. You lived in California. And you, you you worked, I don't know, whatever whatever your job was, but for a little part-time, part-time job, for a little extra scratch, uh, you, you worked as a bartender for a uh, catering outfit. You poured drinks for people at weddings and bar mitzvahs or whatever. Not for the kids, adults, please. You're around enough 13-year-olds saying, Seth, what a haftorah. You're going to want to have a drink too. You make a little extra money. AB5 put an end to that. You were an independent contractor. Let's say I hired you to write for my website. I want you as a a writer. You're going to do two pieces a week. It's just a little bit extra money. Nope. Can't happen. You can't do that. You have X number of hours by which that's acceptable. I think think it was like 30-some-odd hours. And then after that, you have to be... A full-time employee. Full-time. But remember the purpose. The purpose wasn't that somehow it was better for you. The purpose is that that full-time should therefore be unionized and you would pay a union due. You would pay dollars, those dues, to the union, and then there, that, of course, would get recycled to uh, the candidate du jour on the political left. It was never about you. It was about unionization. 
It was about you being a tool for their purposes as opposed to utilizing you utilizing your tools for your purpose. You just wanted a part-time gig where you were writing some blog posts for Tony Katz and made an extra couple bucks. California said no. You just wanted to work like a Saturday night, a, a week every other week. It was a couple extra bucks. You got out of the house. It was kind of fun. California said no. In both of those situations, in the total conversation regarding AB5, it was about taking away your ability to do what it is you wanted to do because their desire for union connection and union dues was greater than their desire for you to be able to live your life the way you see fit and make a couple extra bucks. If we argue that part of what the, the this is doing is trying to show how important the union is and maybe build union membership in other places. Well, this is a very, very important a strike, not only for the United Auto Workers. This is an important strike for everybody. I mean, massive. I have got audio of CNBC interviewing Randy Weingarten. Yeah, she's on site at one of the one of the plants that's on strike. She heads up the American Federation of Teachers. She's got nothing to do with auto manufacturing. She closed down schools. Is it, do we really need to hear from her? But of course, she's going to support those on strike because what she is supporting is the idea of the union in American society. If you take a look at, like, for example, uh, um, in, in, in Wisconsin, was it, was it Act 10? I'm pretty sure it was called Act 10, which put an end to a, a fair amount of, of this, this union force. And you saw that unions absolutely lost members because people didn't have to belong. There was no no forced union membership. Well, what they want on the political left is as many unions and as big of unions as they can possibly get. And when you are in the union, they want to make sure that you do what you're told. Just vote the way we want you to vote. Just pay your dues and be quiet. That's why they brought about things like card check. There are unions and multiple uh, uh, union leaders who don't believe that as a union member, you should have the right to vote in private. You should not have access to a secret ballot. They want you to have to vote and 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 be seen. And then maybe they say, hmm, like lean over you. You're not going to vote like that, are you? Hmm, well, I guess we're going to have to do something about your future. I guess you may not be in line for that promotion. I guess you're going to get the night shift for forever, et cetera, et cetera. So much of what we have seen from unions 
is about a real, real level of force. And then you see where they want to force you into unions is again about force. And if you're in the union, they want to force you to vote a certain way. If you're not in the union, they want to force you into a union by preventing your ability to go out and make a couple extra bucks. So watching this this strike play out, and also you've got the Writers Guild, Screen Actors, etc., you're seeing a, a push for this idea of, man, these unions are really taking care of the little guy. Are they? Now, I admit to you that the uh, format for this strike from United Auto Workers is is fascinating. It, it is. They haven't done this one. All three at once. And don't take everybody out at once. Drip, drip, drip. Put it out piecemeal. Start with 13,000 workers. Look, everybody's talking about it. On Friday, you'll make it, let's say, 26,000 workers. And everybody's talking about it. That's why I would have thought they would have done it today. They would have wanted the news cycle for the week. See, now they've kind of let the news cycle go quiet. They're doing it on Friday. Now you're forcing the weekend. It, it's it's not as valuable. It's, it's As a matter of strategy, it's not what I would have gone with if I was going to utilize this strategy. I would have gone with today. So you could have had more of the news cycle. And then picked your states and picked the plants that you want to shut down, etc. There are reasons why the, 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 the strike matters to America. And we start with, for people on the political left, it's about trying to show the strength of unions, value, the value of unions, and build up union membership. America accepts the fact that people who make a product should get paid for the product. People who make a product should get paid for the product. And America, I think, believes in the idea in general that if the company is doing well, maybe the people at the company should get a little something for that. I don't call that fairness. I call that smart. What the argument the left is making is that, well, the problem is, look at what uh, is happening with, with the union workers. They can't even afford the car they make. And Mary Barra, who heads up General Motors, uh, uh, she makes $29 million a year. There are multiple people who can work the line of the factory. There are very few people who can run General Motors. Thus, running General Motors is worth more and gets paid more than working on the line. Anybody who wants to disagree with that basic fact can, but you'll disagree to yourself in a closed room in the dark. Nobody wants to hear you're crazy because you are crazy. Not everybody can run General Motors. You know what we learned after Bob Chapek got pushed out of Disney? Not everybody can run Disney. It turns out you need to have a little something on the ball to be able to figure out what to do with that mouse. Bob Chapek failed. They had to bring back Bob Iger. Not everybody can do these things. If you hand me a football, I can run with it. But if you expect me not to get tackled by guys who are six foot two and 224 pounds who have been exercising 12 hours a day every day for the last 12 years, well, I'm not going to get very far. 
anybody can run with a football down the street, unencumbered, and no worrying about how fast they're going. But if you want somebody on the field, well, you might have to pay a little bit more for that, a little bit more for that skill. Yet still, people will take a look at what Mary Barra is making as the head of General Motors and say, hmm, that isn't right. I don't think that's a question of right or not right, but certainly that's a pressure that's going to be on the big three. So the 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 support for unions is one of the reasons this matters, uh, this story matters. The other one has to do with us, has to do with the American buyer. What are we really willing to spend? Later, I'll share with you a, a commentary from, from Randy Weingarten about subsidizing the auto industry. <laughs> Look, I, I know you don't. I hear you screaming. Oh, God! I hear you. We've been through this. We do not want to be in on this. The last thing we want to do is unionize, not unionize, but but, uh, subsidize these things. And there's a question of what we subsidize in America and what should we subsidize, if, if anything. But a question should be asked. Let's say that we believe that those who make cars, those who work the line, they should get paid more. Are you willing to pay more for your vehicle? And you say to me, Tony, have you seen new car prices? They are nuts. I don't disagree. They are nuts. It's an expensive proposition to buy a new car. It really is. Are you willing to put another $5,000 on top of that? $2,000, bucks. I don't know. If we believe that things need to be made in America, if we believe that we need to have more manufacturing in America, do we accept the fact that there will be a price increase along with that? Now, some of you might say, why are we taking the price increase? Maybe GM and Ford and Stellantis should have less of a profit margin. Ah, now you're sounding like the Democratic left. They've got record profits. They have to share it. Part of this question is whether or not the the big three think they can move a price up and you'll just pay it. And what I have seen is you will. You'll just pay it. What I haven't seen is whether or not America is willing to say we accept the idea that we will pay more and we'll pay more across the board for everything as long as the manufacturing is back here in the U.S. You know what? We would handle paying more for cars if we took the manufacturing out of Mexico and out of this place and out of that place and brought more to the U.S. This is why the strike matters. This is why I'm paying attention to it. Because this is not only about uh, the, the, the political and how Biden allowed a strike to happen. Look at all the things that have happened under Biden's watch and Buttigieg's watch, uh, Secretary Buttigieg. It's, it's bad stuff. 
and how they respond to it and how politically this plays out, that's one of the reasons to pay attention. But there's some real hard ones here about, do we want the manufacturing in the U.S.? Should they be paid more? Should the companies take less of a a profit margin? And if that's the case, will you take less of a profit margin in your business, in your restaurant, in your construction company, what have you? It's only them who have to think about it. That's why it matters. All of these things and what a deal might say for the rest of us. Just some food for thought. I'm Tony Katz. One of the great pieces of delicious irony, a former ACLU employee is suing the ACLU for violating their core values of diversity. Oh, it's just, it couldn't happen to a better organization. I tell you what, I tell you what, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. So this is the ACLU of Hawaii that's being sued for an alleged, quote, pattern of discriminatory and retaliatory conduct based on race and sex. So the point they make in the lawsuit is uh, this woman who worked for them, you know, was asked to hold government officials publicly accountable to one standard regarding things like implicit bias or inequitable treatment, free speech. Yet when it came to what was happening at the workplace of ACLU Hawaii, she was told she had to remain silent. That's just, that is everything you know to be true. No, 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 wait, innocent until proven guilty and 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 uh, let, let a case take place. I, I've, I have a lot of that kind of talk. I'm going to get into the Russell Brand stuff a little bit later. But how often do we see things like this? Oh, here's what we say publicly. No, you can't talk about what we're doing privately. What they're doing privately is all that stuff. But remember, anybody who's pushing the diversity nonsense is pushing hate. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, the whole DEI world is nothing but bigotry. There was a piece about uh, Ibram Kendi was in the New York Post this morning about how he here he is he's got this 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 whole thing uh over at uh, Boston University uh um and uh it's it's all about it this his diversity center and he's going to really really uh help people uh he's going to push all of this anti-racist activity but now it was a grift It was a grift. The people who worked with him there at the Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research, where people like Jack Dorsey, who formerly owned Twitter, gave him millions of dollars. Can we discuss that Jack Dorsey is disgusting? People, you, you, You use Square, you feel free. I just don't think you should use a Dorsey company. That's my take that the people who have worked at this uh, research uh, facility, if you will, this think tank, oh, horrible treatment. It was all about Kendi, 
overworked and underpaid. No one actually got cared for. And as people pointed out, could you imagine if you had actually helped out black students go to college? How many black students you could have helped instead of giving Kendi all this money to be just a startling egomaniacal jerk? The people who push DEI, man. Grift on grift on grift. I'm Tony Katz. Let's turn to the border for a moment. 2,000 migrants crossed yesterday alone. 7,500 crossed just on Sunday. My question is, Governor, can migrants work in Florida? Illegals, can they work in Florida? And if not, will you pursue any employer who uses them? No, so we have uh, a mandatory E-Verify in Florida. It's been very effective. Uh, you know, we're happy to have people uh, who are native Floridians, people that move from other states and even from other countries legally who come and all those different people contribute to our economy being the top rated economy amongst all 50 states. Uh, but illegal aliens coming uh, is not something we've done. And so we're proud to have stood up for the rule of law. I think that that's what it should be. Uh, we got to come in there and clean house when it comes to the border. This is going to be a day one issue for me. We're going to declare it a national emergency. Uh, we're going to have military at the border. We are going to stop uh, the invasion that's happening. Now, I know a lot of people hate that word invasion. Governor Ron DeSantis speaking to Fox Business. This is Bill Malugan on X, Twitter. Per uh, Customs and Border Patrol sources, yesterday alone, so he put this out, um, this was last week. This was a last week number. Border Patrol apprehended over 7,400 illegal immigrants at the southern border. When combined with Border border Patrol points of entry, there were over 9,100 migrant encounters in one day. I'm told, Malugan over at Fox is told, the Border Patrol released 5,000 yesterday with a notice to appear. As of this morning, Border Patrol had over 21,000 people in custody. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. If you don't want to call it an invasion, tell me what to call it. 833-GOT-TONY. I want to hear from you. 833-468-8669. Find me on, on the socials, on X at Tony Katz. You know what? I'll, I'll open up the chat room. Head on over to TonyKatz.com. I'll open up the chat room right now. You tell me. I'm, oh, I'm, 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 I'm opening it up is open again. How do I not call this an invasion? How do you, what would you possibly call it? And why is it somehow a bigoted or hateful thing if I note that it is? If I note that the nation is required via the Constitution to protect the country from invasion, Article 4, Section 4, why is that so wrong of me? Why is that so wrong of you? Well, let me start with with a, a basic. It is not. There's absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with noting that the nation is under threat from the southern border. Is the nation under invasion from the southern border? I answer, of course it is. If you argue that an invasion is an actual force, an actual military force in uniform with some level of command, 
you're more than welcome to. But that doesn't actually satisfy for a definition, does it? If I were to look at a definition, the act of invading, especially the entrance of an armed force into a territory to conquer, the entry into bodily tissue and subsequent proliferation of an injurious uh, entity, such as a pathogen or a tumor, an intrusion or encroachment. We look at it typically as this idea of a force. But just because they're not wearing a uniform doesn't mean that they it's not an invasion. We are overwhelmed at the southern border. This isn't debate. These are the facts. And we have both sides of the aisle that do nothing. How many of these numbers do you think we can take? How much of this do you really believe we can handle? And the answer is we can't handle what we have now. What's interesting is that in our daily lives, the vast majority of us, there's little effect, specifically Midwest. We don't experience it. We don't see it. We don't feel it. You still go to a grocery store, your kids still play baseball, you still hang out with friends, and you don't feel the things. You don't. But in New York, they've certainly felt it. And in Los Angeles, they certainly felt it. Uh, do we need Greg Abbott, the, the uh, governor of Texas, to send 30,000 illegal immigrants to Tulsa, Oklahoma? Little Rock, Arkansas, Indianapolis, Indiana, Racine, Wisconsin. Is that what it's going to take? I don't think we do. I think we are are much more cognizant of the fact that Texas is living in hell because of these issues. Which they are. Our issue is we don't demand enough from elected officials to get things done. Changing the way we vote. People have to be threatened with the vote. And I do mean it that way. We cannot live like this. The nation cannot survive like this. It can't. It cannot survive like this. So what's our plan? Well, our plan has to be to change the people we vote for. This shouldn't even be a political topic. This is us versus the destruction of us. That's it. This is about us versus the destruction of us. This isn't about right versus left. It's not. As, As much as people would like to think so. This is about whether or not we want to be here. (laughs) That's it. I didn't realize it was so difficult. This is about whether or not we want to survive. Because no, the nation can't survive like this. The nation certainly can't survive when coming across the border is fentanyl at a rate that will eventually kill us all. I have no fears of COVID whatsoever. By the way, what the hell happened to COVID? Just just last week, it was all about the fear-mongering about COVID, and there's a new variant, and get your masks, and... 
It's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. And today, there's nothing. No one's talking about COVID anymore. It's it's stunning. It's shocking, but true. I am more worried about fentanyl than I am about COVID. I am more worried about being out somewhere in public and being handed change or or putting my hand uh, on, on a handrail or something like that. How do you think these fentanyl poisonings are happening? It's all inadvertent stuff because it touches everything, infects everything, gets in everything. I mean, that's... That's if, if if I'm being asked, that's my fear. If I'm being asked, that's my fear. That's my concern. I worry about that. I don't worry about COVID at all. The border I worry about. The border is the topic. It is the topic. I don't know how anybody sees it otherwise. I want to know if, if if you think the border is fine the way it is. If you think it's just a political exaggeration, because maybe you think that, maybe you think it's just a political exaggeration. Tell me, eight three three four six eight eight six six nine eight three three. Got Tony. You can also get into the chat room at tonycats.com and and let me know uh, there. I had another story as I'm walking through because this it, it actually tied in a little bit uh, for me to the uh, to the story about where we are. What are, what are we willing to spend on cars? We we're talking about the the auto strike and and are Americans really willing to spend more money on cars because we want to keep the manufacturing in the United States and 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 what we want to do is is be supportive, right? Of 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 all the the great American innovation, so we'll pay another five six thousand dollars for a vehicle. Vehicles are already pretty expensive. Elon Musk saying that users will soon have to pay for X because he's trying to stop the bots. So a bot. Uh, how do I how do I describe what a bot is? Uh, it's 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 a fake account. That's just set up to go after people, set up to push a product, set up to spread some porn. That's what it's, that's what it's there for. That's what it's there for, right? It's, it's, it's all about uh, just trying to, well, just be a super annoying. That, that's it. He is now saying um, the single most important reason we're moving to have a small monthly payment for use of the X system is it's the only way I can think of to combat vast armies of bots. So he's not talking about how much he would charge each user, but said that it would be lower tier pricing than what premium subscribers are paying, which is about $8 a month. So the question before us is, would you pay for it? And does paying for it end the service? I am stunned by free services. And the people who do it best are Google. But Google is not in... the Google's in a very different business. Google is utilizing everything you've ever done with an email to figure out how to market to you its other products and services. 
That's, that's, that's their business model. Facebook is free, but in Facebook, you're the product and the customer is the advertiser. And you using the product for free allows them to serve the ad to you in a much better way. Twitter's a different, different concept. Let, let, let's think of it this way. You pay for Slack. Now, maybe you're not in a corporate environment. You don't use Slack. I, ha- I am actually a part of a Slack through uh, an, uh, a, what you call it, uh, an organization that I belong to. That, that's the only reason I use Slack is because I'm part of this organization and, and sometimes they communicate through it and, 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 that's, and that's why I use it. But yeah, people pay for that stuff. I'm in favor of this. And if it means that Twitter gets smaller, I'm very okay with that. I am super fine with Twitter getting smaller. I am fine with a bunch of people who are, you know, who don't matter, who have nothing interesting to, 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 to say. I am totally fine with them getting pushed out. I would appreciate them getting pushed out. I think you'd actually have a better service, uh, more interesting people. And by the way, in, in answering the question of is the U.S. Uh, under in invasion at the southern border, uh, someone uh, in, in the chat over at TonyCats.com, no, it's under invasion from Washington, D.C. No, it's under invasion uh, from, ah, it's an interesting take. Your argument is that D.C. politicos are okay with kind of ruining the nation. They, they believe that there should be no such thing as a border. It should be a completely open border. And anybody who comes to the nation should be able to get dollars for this and taken care of for that. Uh, and and that's how, how dare we not. And the answer is more taxes. This is the story out of New York, by the way. There was a... a Story about this, this, these children at a daycare, and we talk about fentanyl. And these children got exposed uh, to fentanyl, and and one died. One was hospitalized, and there's a whole story about the daycare. They knew these kids were ill, and they knew people were dealing drugs in front of the daycare. And when uh, things started, uh, kids started having a problem, they made some other phone calls before they called authorities to get help for the kids. That's, that is a true story. It's so ugly. Well, the socialists of New York have an answer to all of this, and the answer is more taxes. If the issue with the southern border is the people and the fentanyl and everything else, well, in order to handle this and pay for this, we have to have New Yorkers paying even more. We should increase taxes because it's economically just policy to offset all costs for our state to function. That, according to a state senator, Julia Salazar, who is a communist, not a democratic socialist. There are no such things as democratic socialists. They're communists. So if we argue that the invasion is from Washington, D.C., I think you have to go a little grander. The, uh, the invasion is from those who politically desire the destruction of the United States as is and would like to see a Marxism uh, instituted across the country. Oh, yeah, oh, there, there are sick people who absolutely want this. 
They absolutely want this. Sick, twisted people who want to see, uh, oh, capitalism is evil. Capitalism has to be destroyed. And so they want this. Meanwhile, you've got Representative Ocasio-Cortez and other Democrats who are speaking in New York, and you've got New Yorkers screaming at them, yelling at them, cursing them out because of what's happened to the city. So it isn't even a conversation of just all Democrats. It's, it's, it's not. But the idea that the invasion is from Washington, D.C., it's actually not a bad answer. Get in the chat room. Let me know what you think at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today. It's a merger. The XFL and the USFL. Axios with the story. Tony Katz, Tony Katz Today. Supposedly the talks have advanced a quite a, a bit. Fox owns the USFL. The XFL is owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Redbird Capital. There is absolutely a market for another football league when the NFL is out of season. I was ha- I was sorry to see the Alliance of American Football collapse so quickly cuz I think they they were the ones who to me had it most together. Like like there seemed to be really something there. Will they do it? Maybe. Show people that you can stay. Give people a reason to become some level of fan. And they'll watch. They will watch. And there's real money in in this. People who've got serious reputations on the line and egos that won't necessarily let it fail quick. Interesting stuff. I'm Tony Katz.